Welcome to Tigerpaw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tigerpaw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. And today's topic is flat rate billing. One of the first things I like to do is make sure that our guests have an opportunity to introduce themselves. You know yourselves better than obviously I do or even anyone in the industry. So Earl, maybe I'm going to start with you. Could you introduce yourself uh, for audience? And if you could, share one interesting fact about yourself that people may not be aware of. Mm, Very good. Well, Earl Everson, I actually own a Xerox dealership here in Chicago. We're just West Burbs, probably 40 miles west of downtown. The flat rate billing side is a huge game changer, and it's the most exciting thing that I've seen in a long, long time. So very excited about that. One interesting fact, you know, I'm passionate about so many things, but uh, the latest thing is being a a new grandfather. So- Well, congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that, appreciate that. So other than that- (laughs) You you don't look old enough to be a grandfather yet, but (laughs) coming from a guy that's uh, getting up there himself, that's probably not (laughs) And uh, Wes McCarter, maybe we'll get you to introduce yourselves for our guests. Uh, thank you. Well, I'm Wes McCarter. I started uh, Nexera in 1993 as BEI Services. Uh, interesting tidbit, as you see from my background, I pretend to be a musician, but it's <laughs> name only. And uh, Kenneth Edmonds, if you can introduce yourself. I work with the BTA now, and I, uh, I speak for the BTA, uh, sharing information to help service managers and to help companies in general. And, and I will share an interesting fact that most people don't know is, is that I have a travel YouTube channel. So I'm a travel content creator and that's kind of a well-kept secret. Well, I I know you and I didn't even know that. So I'm going to have to check that out. I'll bug you after uh, we're finished today to check that out for sure. All right, so let's roll right into this. And you know, one of the things in our industry, we've all been around uh, for quite a long time uh, in the office equipment channel and uh, managed print. I got my start uh, actually in the channel in the early days uh, when managed print was first started to being offered for uh, printers and you know cost per page since that time has obviously been a mainstay of uh, the managed print world so the first question i'm going to ask is if it's been so effective for our channel if it's if it's helped us make so much money over the years then why do you believe it's time to change uh, or is it you know what what market environmental factors and forces do you think uh, will make it necessary for change so it's i guess a two-part question one is why do you think it's necessary if you do and the second part is what kinds of considerations uh, do people have to look at if they're going to, you know, to jump into this, right? And uh, Wes, uh, maybe I'll start with you on this question. Well, there's a lot of things going on. I started in the industry, like I said, with liquid machines and the idea of cost per page, you know, was really there to ensure that they could cover the supply costs because the supply costs were so expensive that that if you didn't charge per page and the customer changed and printed edge to edge, full bleed, even back in the black and white days, it ate up a lot of supplies. So, you know, that was a necessary component to create that. And then over those years, there were technological advantages. Every manufacturer came out with some unique feature. I can remember when Zoom enlargement came into play, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of things that were happening that separated each manufacturer from that process. But lately, in the last 10 years or so, there hasn't been huge technological leaps that have differentiated one product over another. Um, Print as a whole has been in decline for some time. So, you know, print volumes have been in decline as customers find other ways of moving information from one place to another. 
Um, I love Ed McLaughlin's quote is that, that print is nothing more than an unstructured way to move data. Mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> because, because you're taking print and moving paper, moving information from one place to another, and there's other ways of doing that today. So all of those factors play into it. Um, and then from the marketing perspective, it added a complexity that kept a lot of other players out of the space, right? Because if you didn't know how to do that well, it was too complicated to, to come, come in and try to compete with it. So it kept other players from coming into our space. I like that. So, you know, the market conditions that have changed. I was thinking about one thing you, you moved through there, actually a couple things. One is obviously that, you know, in those early days of liquid print, uh, because it was a new thing and, and then came along the internet and people, you know, had more things to print and there was this upward scale of, you know, volume. So, you, you know, you better watch your, you know, your hard costs, right? Um, but like all things, the other thing you mentioned was uh, the decline in the volumes. But the third thing, uh, which I think uh, you have done such a good job with, is using the data to make better decisions, right? So that we live in a world now where there's so much data, you know, out there, both structured and unstructured. And if you have ways to harness that, then, you know, you can actually move into some kind of flight rate model, right? Correct. Yeah. So, Earl, maybe I'll move on to you. So as a dealer, you said, like you said, you've been in the Chicago area. You know, for 12 or 13 years now, you know, doing this, what, what do you think is the reason that people should be doing flat rate and what conditions apply there for you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. What, what Wes is talking about as far as the volumes declining, right? And back in the days of the liquid copiers and so forth, I think from a marketing standpoint, there's no better, there's no better opportunity than now going to a flat rate system because it's a game changer. It's that two millimeter shift from a customer staying with the current vendor and trying something new. To me, it's the Tesla of the world, right? It's the Verizon Wireless Unlimited program. It's the Uber compared to taking a taxi cab. It's that fixed cost. It's a way to budget, predictable billing. All those great things come into line and, and again, we're not talking so much about products these days. I know I'm not, I'm not talking about products. I'm talking about programs, flexibility, and what type of programs can we get you under? And that's a flat rate billing. It's something that's interesting. Customers are like, wow, I've never heard about this. And it just makes their ears lift up like, wow, tell me more about, so you're telling me that we can print this and this, and you're not gonna bill me per page. You're not gonna charge me for overages. It's a flat rate billing program. There's nothing better. And it's so exciting from, for me, I'm out talking to customers all the time, you know? So for me, I get excited about it and they get excited about it. And again, it separates me from everybody else out there in the industry, period. And that's why I think it's a beautiful concept. It's a beautiful program. And, uh, you know, nobody else is paying per minute to talk on the phone. Those days right. are long gone, right? Same, everybody wants unlimited, you know, charge me one fee and be done. Even if they pay a little bit more, they can they can budget for that, and that's that's what we talk about is uh, flexibility and programs. It's like Wes said, it's not so much. There's not a big difference between a Xerox Sharp, Kiosera, you name it, right? They all produce color, they all scan, print, all those great things. But what do you offer as a value add as a service dealership, right? Because everybody has great service. You talk to every service dealership, and we have the best service in the industry. You know. Well, not everybody can have the best service in the industry. 
but you can have a better program than anybody else in the industry, right? So that's what we kind of talk about. I love it. And uh, I love what you say by bringing in some comparisons of, you know, the real world. One of the things that fascinated me about uh, Uber was, you know, they didn't come in and say, and it, it ties back to the uh, purple cow theory. I'm not sure if you're all familiar with this, but essentially uh, purple cow is a very small thing. And actually everyone, I'd encourage you, I'm not going to go through the whole story today, but look up, you know, the purple cow marketing theory uh, online, Google it. But the idea is that it's a, it's actually a very small thing that you have to do to your model to have a huge impact. And I think your example of Uber and others are like that, which is Uber didn't come in and say they have flying cars and that instead of taking a car, you know, that it's going to be all roboticized. And of course, they're moving towards that direction. But it really was uh, some small changes in how you acquired that service. One, knowing how you were how much it was going to cost you right up front. Yeah. Uh, number two on the map, being able to see where the, you know, the driver was three, having a rating and review on that driver. Right. So these are all very small, you know, to your point, they're nuanced, uh, beautiful things that really drive a customer in that direction. And I, I was really excited when I first started talking with customers about um, flat rate for managed print and how the conversation quickly turned away from, you know, we're doing this because it's, it's going to save us money, which has, has been our mantra, unfortunately, in the race to the bottom for so long to fascination with this idea that we could actually give them a budgetable amount, right? Like, wait a minute, you're telling me I can budget for this? Yeah, so so thank you for that. Uh, Kenneth, what about yourself? What have, you know, wh why do you think it should be or shouldn't be? And, uh, you know, what do you think some of the factors are for consideration? Well, and, and you know, Wes, that I uh, I am a huge proponent of it. And, and I, I, in my service management classes, I talk about it. There are several things that are important. Uh, one is it gives you predictable income as well as a, you know, it's a predictable expense to the customer, but it's predictable revenue to the service department as well. Oh, I like that. Uh, you yeah. know, in a conversation with Wes a while back, we talked about the impact, you know, and the, the, the dealers that were on flat rate programs didn't suffer anywhere near uh, the decline in revenue that the dealers that were on a per click basis. So from that perspective, oh, sure. it, it's really solid. Um, the other thing it does is it changes the conversation away from let's see who can have the lowest price, and it starts to make it starts to make the your offer to the customer a little more opaque, so that the competition has at least more difficulty when they come in to try to undercut your price. Uh, so there are a lot of things that are very important uh, both to the dealer and to the customer. Yeah, I like what you say there because, you know, I've often heard people say that, you know, why would I do it? We're just changing the price and soon it'll be a race to the bottom for that too. And I think what you say there though is that the, the model itself allows for more complexity. In other words, how you get to that price, uh, the kinds of things that can be included in a seat that can't be included in a page, right? That there there is this ability uh, to make sure that it, that it does have enough depth uh, in the offering uh, to avoid that, you know, race to the bottom. One other thing I like to say about predictable revenue is it's not just predictable revenue, it's revenue that's paid up front, right? So that when somebody signs uh, a flat rate program that just like Netflix or just like anything else that you're actually paying for the service, you know, before it's received, right? Neural, I'm not sure if that's how you do it or not, but that's how a lot of people do it, right? So there's this ability to make sure that you're not waiting 60 to 90 days uh, for that revenue because it's a budgeted contracted amount there's no surprises so you can bill for that up front if you so choose to right all right now that we have a basic understanding of the flat rate model i'm wondering if everybody could share with me 
what they think the benefits are. We've talked about a few of them for the dealer, but maybe let's talk about a few of those benefits for the end users as well. So Wes McCarter, maybe I'll get you to start on that. What do you think the benefits are uh, for a flat rate program, both for dealers and for end users? Well, obviously, uh, as we mentioned, the budgetable aspect of a flat rate every month. Um, I truly believe that we're at the cusp of changing from a product-centric model to more of a solution outcome model, meaning that customers are buying the device for a reason, and that reason is to either scan or produce a print or a page, right? So they're really paying for the outcome and the device is a feature to get that outcome. So, you know, rather than focus on the way we've always done it of selling them feature benefits, we need to sell them an outcome. What is it that you need this device to do and here's how much it's gonna to cost to do that. And, and so the simplicity of it is great because it allows the customer to know exactly what they're gonna pay and they can budget that. It becomes part of their normal pay cycle. It very rarely gets challenged because the number one and two reasons of why customers call a dealer and go, hey, what's up? Is a mistake in their bill or a service problem, right? right. So <laughs> eliminate one of those calls right off the bat, right? So, so that's a key benefit for the end user. And then it provides some flexibility because it makes it easier to, to change out the device. It makes it easier to do things with ownership of the device that help the dealer manage the profitability of the account overall. From the dealer's perspective, I think they underestimate the amount of cost savings from an administrative point of view. When you look, look at the total cost of meter acquisition, reconciliation, estimation, meter errors, and the administrative staff is required to manage those processes and you eliminate all of that cost basis from the contract, all of a sudden you're making more points of profit in the deal because you don't have all that cost built in. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's huge benefits to both. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think, um, you know, it's really important when you talk about outcomes that really at the end of the day, all they want to know is that they're going to have reliable access to those pages, right? So give them that outcome and you know, you're good. And what you say about counting is really important as well, right? Because that's one of the things in the managed print space, just the administration on both sides, you know, that we have to count the meters, that we have to make sure that they're going out correctly to the best of our ability, and then the customer, because they are paying for those, you know, those pages very specifically broken down by counts, they have to do their own, you know, math as well to make sure that we're charging them correctly, because to your point, sometimes the bill's wrong and that's when they get in touch with us. So all of that going away on both sides is uh, pretty cool. And uh, Earl, maybe you from a dealer perspective, are you seeing that as part of the conversation? Are those some additional benefits for your customers? What else are you seeing? Yeah, for sure. Wes has taken all my thunder with his answer. <laughs> but, you know, it's... it's well, it means we're in alignment then, right? <laughs> one invoice is huge for customers. They love the idea. One invoice eliminate overage invoices you know they can't stand an overage invoice because it's never predictable they have no idea and you know the average customer if they're fluctuating 10 percent up or down every single month to me it's always going to average out at the end of the year but as wes said you know with the data print is declining right so the flat rate billing is a safe and we'll talk about this later but again one invoice uh, predictable billing and no overage invoices for customers. It's the simplicity of this program on the end user side. And again, for us, it's a great marketing uh, idea and they love that period, you know, so. Yeah, I think as long as it's fair, right? And that's, you know, one of the things uh, I'm a Netflix user, like probably 
everybody else, right? And you can remember that model uh, replaced kind of the the blockbuster model, which was you'd have to pay for every video that you you rented and you physically had to go for it. Yeah. Does anyone remember when Netflix started actually mailing uh, DVDs in in the post? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you had a limit of five of them. They were still charging you a flat rate, but you only ever had five that you were allowed to watch. And when okay. you sent back two, then they'd allow you to get two more to send back in the mail, right? But the spawning of that, so, you know, quite honestly, there are some months when I'm busy and I don't even watch it. Like, I don't even watch a single show, right? And then other months where a series comes out, like The Mandalorian, everyone knows from my background that I'm a Star Wars fan. I am binge watching everything Star Wars for three days straight and probably consume, you know, close to 30 hours of content, right? So even though my consumption fluctuates, they also have uh, what I would call a consumable. They have to pay for licensing rights for all that programming. Every time somebody watches it, they have to pay for the bandwidth for their servers, right? They have these consumable costs, if you will, but they're using data like West provides uh, for the printer world uh, to be able to make better decisions on that, right? And actually, you know, we talk about a benefit of a flat rate program, Wes, maybe I'll actually get you out a little bit about the benefits of the data that we have now to be able to run a program like that. Well, the, the, the two things that scare dealers the most is the, the unpredictability. They, they're, because we came from this cost per page model, dealers are absolutely mortified of the possibility that they change the billing model and customers change their print behavior as a result. Right. And, and there was probably a time when, like when color first came out and everybody was fascinated and was <laughs> photo albums and everything. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that was legitimate concern. But today with, with the documented decline in print, the odds of a customer changing their print behavior because you changed the billing model is nil to non-existent. I just don't right. think I just don't think it's realistic. Will there be places I would not put this? I wouldn't put it in production print. I wouldn't sure. put it in print for pay. I might not put it in schools. There are places that 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 flat rate model probably isn't necessarily the best thing to do. But in the big picture, ninety eight percent of your accounts could transition to this, and their print behavior wouldn't change because I don't think the vast majority of end users that print know how they're being billed. They have no idea. So true. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And, and, and to your point, nobody loves print. Um, but you say another important thing there. And I think that, you know, a lot of the dealers that I've spoken with when we've been talking about whether or not to get into the program or not talk about those risk factors as if they're the dominant factors. Whereas once you, you know, say to a dealer, hey, look, you know, you hold the cards here. You don't, you know, if somebody wants to buy a flat rate program from you and they're a school, you can tell them no, that what we do for schools is this program. Right, like nothing forces you to sell everyone, you know, a flat rate program, and that I think initially as well that you'll have time to get good at it. And Earl, you probably experienced that where you know at first, like anything else, you got to build up hours to get experience with it, and then the fear starts to you know fade away. Right. That's so, perfect. Kenneth, what about yourself on the service side? Like you've been working with you know service technicians and you know folks doing servicing in the in the off swim channel for so long. You know, is there, are there additional benefits or hesitancies that, that arise from that as well? Well, I was gonna say there, there were a couple of things that, that I wanted to throw into that conversation because number one, I'm a huge proponent of, of building things that create customer satisfaction. And we do that by getting rid of the things that caused customer dissatisfaction. Hmm. And, and so meter billings and billing issues are a huge piece of that. The other thing is, is most, most, dealers don't understand that it costs them if they have to send a tech out 
to get a meter reading that it's going to cost them $100 every time they do that. And so you th when you think about it, if you save one, uh, one trip, that's $100 a month you save. Now, how many copies would that pay for? What does it do to your profitability? And, you know, and, and some dealers, the, the, the billing is such a challenge that they may be spending thousands of dollars a month collecting meter reads that they could just wipe that expense off the books completely. No, no. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. But, you know, like if you say if it is $100 for that meter, there must be occasions uh, where there are some devices that they're getting counts for where they're actually not even making money because of that, right? Like, wow. Good point. Really good ad. Well, even, a, even from a data perspective today, right now in the data, the average dealer, 12 to 15% of all the meter reads that get reported into the cycle billing side of the business are in error. And on the service side, it's 17%. Wow. Wow. All of those meter errors, all those meter errors induce bad bills. If somebody doesn't catch them and audit them, they introduce a bill that's going to the customer that's incorrect. Isn't that something? So it's not just the expense of sending someone out there, but just the, the high uh, level of increase in inaccuracy. Wow. Well, thank you for that ad. Now, it sounds like everyone on this call, obviously, we're all big fans of, you know, flat rate billing. So why do you think the office equipment channel has been so slow to adapt to this model? And Wes, I know that you did talk a little bit about the fear of, you know, moving to a new model, right? Now, I remember that in the early days of managed print. People, you know, were saying, no, I would never do cost per page for a printer because I have no idea what the page coverage is going to be, right? People are going to start printing full bleed color. And, and of course, that never happened, right? There were outliers and certain types of people that you wouldn't offer that to. But, you know, here we are again, and I would say that I have seen a, a very large resistance. I've actually spoken with a lot of dealers who have said that they will not offer a flat rate program, right? So what do you think's, you know, going on there? Why have they been so slow to adopt this model? Well, obviously, like everything else, it's res responding to the competition. So like when Earl started his program, immediately everybody got defensive because they didn't know how to compete with it. Mm. And, and so I think some of that is we've got a very tenured sales force. We have a very tenured sales model mm -hmm. that isn't you know, going to want to change because they know how to sell what they sell today. And so changing that up has been part of the challenge. The other thing is, is that I think it's partially due to the fact that, that the programs that have been introduced um, that really made a splash were totally all-in models, meaning that there was no potential there for a variance in your price, right? It was like all-in, you could run as many pages as you want. And, and that works is kind of an actuary insurance table where I'm, I know some customers might have used it, some people won't. In the middle, I'll find the average, right? What we thought was the better idea was to go out the outcome. What does the customer want? They want 2,500 pages a month. Do you want black and white or do you want color? Here's the machine that does that the best. And, and, you're, and the price gets more competitive that way, right? But that oh, doesn't sure. work for the sales organization because the sales organization has to find the box that generates the most commission and the box that generates the most potential quota rebates and all the incentives that they get, right? And so that might not be the box that does that. And so that's, that moves them away from that model, right? So there's multiple things in play, but, but I think we're at that moment where, where the time is right. Yeah, you mentioned two uh, really important things there. One is just that, 
you know, that legacy of things that they've gotten so good at. And let's let's be fair, the Office Equipment Channel, how we deliver our services is actually a lot more complicated than most people would think, right? Like how we, you know, run those businesses. And, you know, the second part being, and, and I always go to this, is how people are paid, right? So the minute a sales rep sees that they're not going to be making the same kind of money, why on earth are they going to recommend it? Yep. Um, the third thing that I would kind of, you know, throw out there for hesitancy is I think there are a subset of dealers who are almost at that retirement stage, right? And this is where I've had some pretty frank conversations about Wes. I love the concept, but I got two years left and I'm not about to open up this can of worms, right? So I think that's a third factor is trying to understand that our our channel is actually quite uh, mature and there's a lot of uh, folks that are in the channel uh, which are simply getting ready to, you know, to do their exit, right? And I know that's a very frank and, and, and a lot of people won't talk about that openly, but it certainly exists there, right? And uh, Earl, what about yourself? What kind of you know things are you using? I'm sure that you're happy that people are slow to adopt it because oh. you're knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, what are you seeing there? Yeah, it's so true. I mean, right now, I think the larger the dealer is, you know, their infrastructure is already set up the way it is. Whether it's their sales staff is trained a certain way to sell this, to position their products and their service and supply contracts a certain way. So to retrain everyone, that's a big overhaul. And then you have service, right? Because you could play each account and let's say they have a certain account that's generating, you know, 400 hours in revenue a month and just service pass through, okay? But if you go to this flat rate model, maybe they're losing, you know, 100 hours a month, whatever that case is. So they start pinpointing certain accounts within their database and say, well, if we went to a flat rate program, we're going to lose X amount. However, with that said, as a sales rep's going in, sales reps are saying, hey, Mr. Customer, we're gonna reduce your, your, your lease promo, your service and supply pricing by you know, 20%. Well, that service department is going to get hit because they've had escalators going year over year, right? So they're gonna reset that, that, that tack back down from six and a half cents. And now we're gonna go, Mr. Customer, you're gonna be at four and a half cents. We're gonna drive those costs down. Well, that service department's gonna take a hit as well right so they're they're kind of being greedy and they don't want to restructure because they're unsure how to do it and they can only see that hey if we do this we're going to lose x amount of dollars however a company like mine or somebody else that's doing a flat rate program you're going to lose that customer completely right right yeah yeah it's 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 such a like writing on the wall thing whereas if you know you don't do it uh somebody else will right yeah Um, i like what you say about this idea of scale that it's harder for a lot of large organizations especially ones which have so much of their revenues tied into those service plans right and ken i can see you itching to jump on this one so so jump Okay, now uh, Earl said a whole bunch of things that I want to jump on. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go back to the question. And and what I think, and and I'll use an analogy that uh, uh, probably all of you could relate to, is when you think about it, when it snows a lot, where do people typically drive? South, where it's warm? (laughs) Well, no, no, I mean, but if you're driving down the road, you typically wind up driving in the ruts. Right. Okay, and you drive in the ruts because it's easier than getting out of the rut. Mm-hmm. And that is the challenge, I think, a lot of dealers, and they've driven in this rut and made the rut so deep that getting out of it is hard. 
and, and you know, and, and we can talk a little more about this later. But I, I'm a firm believer that dealers that are that are thinking about that should should take a blank sheet of paper and create a new map of of what their dealership looks like. It involves uh, changing compensation plans. It, cha it changes what you service it changes what you sell it changes a lot of things but dealers and i, I think earl's probably an example of that the dealers that started with that mentality their programs the way they sell everything is different but it's what the customer wants and it's what the future holds so it is that inability to see outside of the rut that, that traps dealers where they are yeah that's part of that whole legacy that uh, earl was talking about right yeah. and you know, it is interesting that once you get out of that rut, then there's a whole bunch of other roads that you can travel on, right? That the opportunities kind of outweigh the, you know, the, the measured risk, if you will, right? I think we're kind of at the point in the, the call today, where we're really going to talk about just really one piece of advice. And I know, Earl, this will probably be hard for you because you don't want to create competitors, but <laughs> if you had one piece of advice uh, for people that are looking to get into a flat rate program, uh, to get out of those ruts that, you know, Ken's talking about, uh, to get away from the fears of, you know, people overprinting and, you know, really running up the cost of the consumable parts. And as Earl mentioned, the scale, what would that advice be? And maybe Wes, I'll start with you. One piece of advice. Uh, the, oh, the main piece of advice is don't delay. You, you, we sell 93% of the average dealer sales goes to existing customers. You know, their volumes, you know, what they're paying you you know what they're going to do from a print perspective. There is absolutely zero reason not to convert every single customer that has documented declines in print volume, right? Even prior to COVID in particular, right? Because this last year has been a little weird from a print perspective. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, you know all the information you need to do to convert them. The only reason they're not is because they use escalations to justify the flipping the lease at the term. That's the only reason. And they need to get out of that mindset and start focusing on that bottom line profit. I like it. So uh, get started and get started now and use the data to help you make uh, the decisions on how you do it. Right. Great. What about you, uh, Ken? What would one piece of advice be for everybody? You keep tying my hands, Wes. I know. I, I, I'm going to go back to, to take a piece of paper and imagine that you were starting a dealership today and you wanted to be able to secure your customers. You wanted to get as wide and deep in your customers as you could possibly get. You wanted to provide a, a model that serves your customer, design that, and then start designing the pieces around it. You know, create the plan. You know, because it costs you nothing to create a business plan that addresses these things and builds it out. And then you can start to make an accurate decision. Don't let fear stop you from planning. I like that. And, uh, you know, if you look at any of the large software companies in the world or other successful organizations uh, that tend to release a lot of different offerings, they have skunk work projects, right? Where they will, you know, kind of test or experiment with business models and ideas. And, and I kind of like that. It's like this, you don't even have to start this as replacing your whole business right away. Just get started, right? And what about you, Earl, if you had one piece of advice? 
Well, first of all, every dealership outside of Chicago should be on a flat rate program, number one. Okay. <laughs> outside of Chicago. <laughs> Anyone in Chicago, stay with that fear factor, okay? Stay with that fear factor and let us continue <laughs> to build our base. I appreciate all my competitors out there. All right. No, so seriously, you know, back in the day when I used to sell print production, um, I used to call them print shops, right? In-house print shops. And we had this. <clears throat> We had this new device. We had this new concept that we were approaching all these print shops. And every print shop, I don't care. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of print shops. They all had the same equipment. They offered the same value. They offered everything the same, right? But they always thought the service was best. So our, our whole sales was always about if you don't make a shift, if you don't make a change, there's nothing that's separating you from the next guy. Right, you need this this edge. You need this to stay in business. And I I truly believe that with the copier industry, if you don't shift gears and get into a flat rate program, like we've been doing this for five years now, so all of my competitors here are way behind me because now I've I've learned from my mistakes. I know, like Wes was saying, you don't go in the print shop, you don't do the school district. I get that right. I've learned the hard way, right? But now we're so much better at doing what we're doing. So all the competitors here are five years behind what we've already grown. And you know, it's truly, if they don't shift gears, it's going to truly hurt those dealerships big time. It will. Well, I appreciate that. And it sounds like there's pretty general consensus that it's, uh, you know, just get started, right? Yeah. And so what I want to do is thank uh, each and every one of you uh, for being on this today. The reason I invited you to be guests is because I uh, consider you experts and leaders uh, in the flat rate journey. So appreciate you sharing your expertise and willing to do this. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.